Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. A fine Saturday matinee to you, Andy. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we start the show by exactly not talking about Avengers, and it's my fault. It's your fault. I have not seen it. And let me just tell you, this was not intentional. It was not intentional <laughs> because, you know, I'm not really one. I'm not really one to avoid spoilers. 
you know me. I mean, I kind of I kind of embrace the spoiler, maybe not as enthusiastically as JJ does, but I do embrace the spoiler. And uh and, and so there I am not paying attention to Avengers. Like I I haven't watched I, I watched the first trailer, you know, the first teaser. And then I really haven't watched any of the other trailers of the thing. And somehow I missed the news like I, I remember from, two, you know, two, three years ago when they said they were going to do Infinity Wars one and two. And then I, I somehow missed the news that they betrayed themselves in their press work and said, oh, we're only doing one movie <laughs> until <laughs> yesterday. And I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm seeing it in 11 hours. So you're but betraying everybody now by, by telling all this. Aren't you? Well, if you see it, plug your ears, plug your ears, because I got a Twitter thing that says, oh, all at once, somebody was mad that they saw the movie and that it ends abruptly with a part two is coming. I didn't even know it wasn't going to be a part two. So in the flash of about a half a second, I got super mad uh, because or, or super excited because I thought it was going to be part one and then mad again by a lot that they've switched back to part two. That there's a part two. So this is a real roller coaster, and I'm already dreading the the end of this movie. I don't know when it comes. I don't know any of the major plot points. I I am sure that they are going to try to toy with my emotions. I worry that I know too much, uh, that they have been too loose in the business news about actors' contracts, and that that is going to betray my viewing of it. Um. So, ah, I, I'm really conflicted about this movie. I, you know, I know some people have issues with, with, you know, the real world information versus the, the world of the story. You know, I just, I, I I'm, one up, of, I'm one of those people. We don't have I to know. speak hypothetically. <laughs> there are those people, <clears throat> Peter. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Once I'm in it, I find it really easy to just kind of let go and enjoy it. It's not... The uh, the spoiler element, I guess, uh, I, I allow to be part of the story. And if if I know the actor has a continuing contract, I I, I don't know. It just usually doesn't worry me too much um, as far as the story. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you. I uh, See, I can't even really tell you this. Uh, <laughs> Do you well, want me to no, plug I'll, my ears? I'll tell, no, I, I will tell you this. I'll, I'll tell you this. Okay, so um, as you know. Uh, Australian actor Hugo Weaving plays Red Skull in Captain America: The First Avenger. Right? Wait, what? I know. You know it <laughs> yes, wasn't really I a man with. A I red did skull. know that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so he, um, when he signed on to do the film, he has a contract, like so many of the actors do um, mm -hmm. in the franchise, for X number of films to continue his role as Red Skull. They, they were like, we don't know when it would be, uh, but it's possible that we would want to come back and have you again. And it was, I don't know, I don't know how many it was, three other films. I think it's just become a standard thing for these contracts these days. Yeah. But right. he said at a, a convention or, or something or in an interview uh, like last year or the year before when they said, are you going to play Red Skull again? He's just like, you know, I really don't want to. I, I, you know, it's, I'm not that into those sorts of movies. I really would rather do movies that I'm interested in that, that connect to me. And I just don't want to do it. And I don't think they're going to make me do something I don't want to do. And I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> I was like, well, he probably has a point. I mean, if, if you yeah. really are vocally opposed to doing it, 
I'm sure they're not going to force you to do it. Uh, I mean, granted, he's Red Skull. He's not Tony Stark. But still, I, uh, you know, I think that there's something to that point about uh, about the nature of these films. Well, and see, now that is a great that, that that's a great example. And I think it goes toward your case, uh, though, you have to say Hugo Weaving is not uh, is not the norm. He is anomalous in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. I can't think of any other actor who has, you know, has that experience. Um, and, and Tony Stark, right? Robert Downey Especially Jr. Somebody is notorious. Who's been the Matrix series, the Lord of the Rings yeah. series. Yes. I mean, like maybe, he's, he's... you know what would be great <laughs> is if they tell him he can come back but play any other character that he's played. Like, he doesn't have to be Red Skull. He could be like Elrond or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but I, I uh, you know, I think Robert Downey Jr. is a wonderful spoiler in these movies right now because he has notoriously been movie to movie, not contracted for some time. Uh, and so he really could drop out anywhere. Like it would really surprise me if he died in this movie. Don't know if he does. Don't know any of that because I don't know anything about his contract status. And yeah. that makes that makes watching Iron Man a more entertaining experience for me because I genuinely don't know what's going to happen to that character. Right. And uh, and so uh, it plus I think there's this sort of uh, I don't know, we're getting into this territory with these movies and they've been playing us with the Infinity Gauntlet so long that we I don't know enough about the Infinity Gauntlet sort of storyline. Um, so but I, I just have this feeling that deaths in this universe can't really be trusted all that well. So, well, I don't know. And, and to that end, I mean. The material is out there. It's not like yeah, right. Yeah, I could know, go spoil myself the right now. There, sure. right? Yeah, uh, which is funny because as soon as the movie ended, I went and looked up the Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> on Wikipedia, and I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what's going on. You which did is terrible. It. Okay. I, I read to the end. I read the last chapter first. No, I'm I'm that guy. But uh, you know, it's it, it. But it just I don't know. It just gets me excited. It actually this was the first time that I watched one of these movies. And uh, it really kind of made me go, gosh, I wonder if I should get that Marvel uh, annual subscription so that I can just sure. you know, go back and read all of the, the comics whenever I want to. Did it, did it feel like, uh, you know, I guess this is this could be a spoiler if you're like Andy and you want to go read these things and you haven't yet. But did it feel to you as if based on your reading of the Wikipedia synopsis aligned with what they were doing in the movie? Um, well, I mean, to a certain extent, but there's, you know, it's funny because the, the way that the comics are constructed, they have so many different characters in them. Like the, the person who's leading the charge, um, on the good guy's side is, I can't even remember who it was, but it's, it's somebody I had never even heard of before. And so that really kind of struck me as, as a, uh, just kind of a, an odd thing that's like who is this character so they've obviously changed the focus um quite a bit as far as as uh who is kind of uh driving the thrust but i think a lot of it is that the main uh focus of the story is there yeah it's mm. uh well there's the, the character mistress death who is involved in it quite a bit that never pops up and uh wait that never name? pops up in the movie you mean I, she's never popped up in any film, like in or even in conversation as a character. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just one of those sorts of uh, characters that is out there. I'm trying to remember what this guy's name it was. It was this um, 
Adam Warlock. That's who it is. Does that ring a bell to oh, you as a uh, superhero? Yeah, Adam War- like yeah. Warlock. Totally. I don't. I, I don't remember the backstory, but I know, and I'm, I'm sure I talked about Adam Warlock with JJ. Um, okay. Who is who's who knows much more about it than we do? Okay. Well, he is somebody who's involved in all of that, and the Silver Surfer, and obviously Silver Surfer uh, had been tied up with the Fox right. versus uh, Disney slash Marvel battle. I guess that is over. So theoretically, uh, we could potentially start seeing Silver Surfer in um, these movies in the future. Anyway, I guess the point is it's. There's definitely differences, as inevitably there are going to be. Um, but I still think it's it's kind of like you know any adaptation. You take kind of the the core element of it and then and change it, but you you know change it in a lot of other ways, but you still leave that core there. I what I really want to ask more than anything is: Does Hawkeye get any screenplay in Avengers because of all of the nonsense around promoting uh, Jeremy Renner's role in Avengers? Four, uh, that is another thing besides whether Tony Stark actually dies in any coming movie is did Jeremy Renner make it? And I don't want to know. I don't want you to tell me, but I also do real bad. Well, is that weird that that of this entire just <laughs> mayhem of a movie that that's the thing I'm probably most interested in? It's it's interesting who doesn't appear in the movie. So there are people that aren't in this movie because that's of I think, all the of the group spoiler. of Avengers. They still have some who don't appear. Really? Yeah. Which yeah. kind of surprised me to to some extent because there were some people who I was like, "Well, we're missing some of our team." But okay, if I ask one and I'm right, <laughs> will you tell me? Because I have sure. a sense. I have an idea. Which one? Did Ant Man make it in the movie? I don't think he did. He did not. <gasps> and I think it's because his movie is on the way out. I think that's why. Okay. All right. Good. Hey. I think they're like, you know what? We're already paying you for this movie. It's coming out right afterward. (laughs) You know, those checks are starting to stack up. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) And I wish you would cash them. That's what we want. We just want you to start cashing your checks. Okay. Well, that's the big Avengers stuff. Not uh, there's there's exactly no news. I I am looking forward to it. I'm taking the uh, I'm taking my my son and his. His buddies, which in their uh, messages chat group are called Debros. I don't know where they get this stuff. <laughs> clearly, clearly, I will be heavily in middle school mode tonight. I cannot wait. So that's awesome. That's it. That's it. You've got Debros, and I've got the Ham Squad. <laughs> you do. You have the Ham Squad. <laughs> uh, okay. What else do we have to talk? Anything we need to talk about before we dig into stuff? Are you good? I think so. Let's just uh, right. let's jump in. Let's do uh, let's do trailers. A twenty four rule takes precedent. Here you go, Andy. You win. I win. The um, this is a movie that um, I had heard about from um, weirdly it was a friend of mine who um, she had actually worked on it as a uh, as a film that I'm, I'm assuming filmed in kind of the uh, um, uh, 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 the New New Mexico area because that's where my friend lives and works, and um, it's a western. So I was like, okay, it makes sense. I, I hadn't heard about it. It's a new Jessica Chastain film, written by Stephen Knight, directed by Susanna White, um, who did uh, what did Susanna White do? Um, she's not a name that rings a bell. Oh, she did the Bleak House um, uh, miniseries, which mm. I saw some of and I enjoyed quite a bit. 
looks like she's uh, directed a lot of uh, TV and things like that. She did Our Kind of Traitor, though. Uh, did you see that one? No. Uh, I didn't either. I heard about it. It was with uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, 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 Radivoj Bukovic. I don't know I'm getting his name wrong. Stellan <laughs> Skarsgård. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know any of those things. And those Harris are words that don't mean anything. <laughs> the um this though is is not that film. This is the film that uh is I didn't know about this woman, Catherine Weldon. She's a, a a painter from the this takes place in like the 1890s. And um she goes to uh the Dakotas to paint Sitting Bull, the uh the uh, Native American chief. Um, and, uh, while there she, uh, it's, it's like a journey film, you know, she goes there, she's, she's not sure who she is, what she's trying to do with her life. Um, sitting bull is in this place where, um, you know, he can't trust, uh, the way that the white men are moving in and kind of exploiting them. There's this big struggle over the rights to their land, all of this sort of stuff. And as this outsider who's trying to sort out who she is, aside from coming to paint this portrait, she ends up becoming connected with Sitting Bull and becomes this uh, kind of friend of his and uh, somebody who's kind of tied into the mix of this whole thing. Um, Sam Rockwell is also in it, and it's nice now seeing in the trailers with Sam Rockwell when it says Academy Award winner Sam Rockwell, which I thought was pretty exciting to see. And, you know, this is just one of those films. I really love these Old West stories. I love the stories about the, uh, you know, the the plight of the Native Americans and just kind of, I just feel like it's such rich territory. Uh, there's a lot of meat um, in those tales. Um, and this looks like a really interesting one. I'm really curious. And Jessica Chastain, I mean, she's one of those people that I just want to see every time she's doing something because she is such an amazing actress uh, to watch. So... Um, uh, oh, and I, I should say, I don't even know if I mentioned the title. It's called Woman Walks Ahead, which I'm guessing in the spirit of Dances with Wolves is the name that the Native Americans give to her. So yeah. what did you think of this one? I was so charmed by this movie and it hit. I think you probably could predict the moment I was turned by the movie. At first, it's like seems like kind of a wandering thing um, and until she meets sitting bull for the first time and he's kind of digging in the dirt and she's trying to to use her hands to translate i crossed many rivers speaking really slowly and he turns around and says you got a train here from new york right (laughs) i I, I thought this is okay i get it i get this movie and i'm i'm excited to see it this looks like one that's uh that that's got a lot of charm and heart to it in addition to talking about it um a great story i was very excited to watch your trailer especially given uh your allegiance to our list this week uh well done andy this is a great i didn't day. even think about that connection but look at that yeah look at you you didn't think about that you always think about these connections doing it without even knowing it it's just working on a subconscious level that's how good Man. i am i guess <laughs> i guess that's what we're calling it anyway i'm excited well, about it this looks like a great great movie yeah, great cast I, I can't wait it opens up um uh well it opened at, at the toronto international film festival last fall and it's going to be hitting theaters this June on the 29th. So uh, there you go. My trailer is, uh, it's not, well, it's West. It's West. It takes place <laughs> in Portland. I was going to uh, say so, Northwest, yeah. Yes, Northwest. It's a Northwestern film. 
And uh, it is called Leave No Trace. It is uh, directed by Deborah Granick, who's the woman behind uh, films like Winter's Bone and Down to the Bone. Uh, and it uh, was written by Granick and Anne Rosalini. And all of a sudden, I because I have a, a friend who's a photographer named Ara Rosalini, and I wonder if they're sisters. I, this That would be really funny. Uh, Ara, if you're listening, are, is your sister Anne, and did she write a movie? Because that'd be cool. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, it is based on the book My Abandonment by Peter Rock, uh, and it appeared at Sundance uh, just this year. It is a story of a father and his daughter who live in the woods in a giant wooded area in Portland, and they are not doing anything to nobody. They just live in their lives. Dad's teaching the daughter, you know, how to live, how to how to read and write, and uh, and they're doing their own thing and. They make a mistake, an, uh, an unspecified mistake, and suddenly they are forced to integrate uh, with the rest of civilization. Uh, the dad's played by Ben Foster. Love seeing Ben Foster uh, in here. And Thomason McKenzie as Tom, Will's daughter, uh, Ben Foster's daughter in the movie. Uh, they look like a fantastic on-screen pair. Uh, and uh, I don't know Thomason McKenzie from anything, but she looks like she plays, uh, gives a... a, a wonderfully mature performance uh, as the daughter in this movie. So I'm looking forward to this, not just because it was uh, it takes place in my backyard, uh, but because it looks like a great father-daughter story. Um, and this the, the story of what we leave behind and what we do to integrate with, you know, what we've said are the societal norms, um, you know, that we, we have to live by, I think, um, it, it, that is a great story to tell, and I love I, I, I love them, and so I think this is uh, this this fits right in there for me. What'd you think? Oh yeah, I completely agree. Um, the problem I had with the trailer is I feel like I get so much of the story, <laughs> like yeah. it goes all the way through like the conflict of them, and it I felt like we were having the climax in the trailer. I'm like, oh, geez, yeah, they, they sure gave an awful, awful lot of it away. Here. Unless I'm wrong. I mean, maybe I'll be uh, you know, pleasantly surprised and see it and go, oh, okay, well, that that happened right at the beginning. Who knows? Um, I, I completely agree, though, that... Turns uh, out Tom- Ant-Man is in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Thomas and McKenzie, though, looks amazing. Um, uh, just a, a young actress who plays really well opposite Ben Foster, who's always great. Um, and it's nice to see him in something where it's not quite such a, a dark character as he... Um, seems to love playing but uh you know when he's playing characters like this like in this or the messenger or things like that as opposed to hell or high water or 310 to yuma i just i so connect with him i think he's such a mesmerizing actor and there's such soul and presence there so um uh and it works really well in context of what we're doing here in the story so uh yeah i'm very much looking forward to this one this one uh, opened in January at Sundance and has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, as of, you know, r- right now. And so it's one to, uh, you know, keep an eye on as more and more people see it. It's been hitting the festival circuit throughout the year. It opens limited in the U.S. June 29th uh, and in the U.K. It looks like wide June 29th uh, of this year. So coming very soon, leave no trace. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Andy, here we go. We had a little bit yes. of confusion on our list this week. You tried to, uh, you, I, I think you I tried to throw you. You held out, <laughs> and as a result, I have two lists. <laughs> you're, so you're just ready for next week. I'm ready, ready for next That's week. <laughs> uh, so uh, here we go. What, it, set us up. What is the list we have we've landed on here? 
This week we uh, talked about uh, James Dean's final film, Giant, which is a sprawling um, epic that uh, takes place in in Texas in the you know the, what the twenties through the fifties, I guess we could probably say. Yeah, it, it feels very much like a western though, and so. To that end, we said we're going to talk about Western epics. Actually, that was the one that our, our Patreon supporters voted on of the options. So here we are talking about our three uh, favorite Western epics. All right. Well, this was really hard. Let me just really? say that from the start. Wow. It was really hard because there are a lot of Western epics that I have not seen. Mm. As gotcha. I'm going through the list, I realize, oh my goodness, I'm uh, my my cup is empty uh, on on a lot of these. I've seen kind of the big ones. We've talked about a number of the big ones, and some of them uh, that I I really wanted to pick, I've already picked for this for our purposes here on the list before, uh, for other reasons, and so I, I didn't want to do that. Okay. So here we go. Well, um, here here's a question I have for you. Yeah. What uh, did you have a definition of epics? Uh, well, I, I started with time. Either it covers a long period of history uh, or, well, okay, so a long period of history, the movie's super long. <laughs> like, that, that was certainly, well, I'm not going to lie, that was in there. Uh, or it, it covered a historical movement or period or event that is of some cultural importance. Gotcha. Okay. Right? So, um now, or my last film, which is a complete and total cheat and <laughs> just plain folly. So you'll have that to look forward to. Excellent. All right, we'll kick it off. Andy. No, I think you go first. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, for my first choice, I'm going to go with one that I feel is uh, probably a steal. Um, because uh, because you're, uh, one of your favorites, Edward Zwick, directed it. <laughs> okay (laughs) am i right okay it's uh it's it's you know it's an epic in the sense of uh you know uh giant i suppose it takes place kind of in the the what the 20s through the 60s or something like that um this is uh legends of the fall which is just a beautiful beautiful film that edward zick directed back in 94 uh that stars uh brad pitt anthony hopkins aiden quinn uh, Henry Thomas, Julia Ormond, James Horner's score is fantastic. John Toll's cinematography is mind blowing. This is a, a beautiful story about this colonel who leaves the army, and um, because of the way that the the government uh, deals with Native Americans, and he builds this ranch and raises his family, and then it's just kind of this story of his three sons and him as they kind of grow up and grow old and and uh and get out into the world and the different directions that they take and i find it uh uh, just a really touching and powerful film and i love watching the journey of these brothers as they kind of go in different directions and try to um you know explore life and figure out what's going on and stuff and there's a you know some some love uh triangle stuff like that but you know on the whole i i just think that this is a a delight of a film and uh and so that's my first choice um and it has bart the bear in it and how could i go wrong yeah picking a film with bart the bear so legends of the fall well that's a good pick and yes it is a steal and that's okay i actually have a list that is only one backup deep so who i have now you can't steal anymore i don't think you will uh when i open my bidding here 
with the 1980 Michael Cimino film Heaven's Gate. Now, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let's talk about this a minute. Uh, this movie is the story. It is an epic story of the Johnson County War uh, uh, that stood between uh, uh, land barons and European immigrants in Wyoming. The, the, it was essentially an argument of, of states' rights, but it was really business interest rights uh, over what they did, said were uh, squatters. And, and uh, this cast is amazing, right? I mean, the cast is, uh, you know, we've got Chris Christopherson, Christopher Walken, John Hurt, Sam Waterston, Brad Dourif, Isabel Huppert, uh, Joseph Cotton, Jeff Bridges, right? I can keep going. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis, Paul Coslow, Richard Mazur, Ronnie Hawkins, Terry O'Quinn, Tom Noonan, Mickey Rourke, right? I mean, please, Nicholas Woodson and William Defoe uh, are also in this movie as in their first parts, uh, first feature films. This movie is quite controversial because when it was released, it was absolutely panned uh, as one of the most terrible films uh, of all time. One of the reviewers said, uh, this is like a four-hour tour, uh, walking tour of your own living room. Uh, it's so boring. And so it, it's just, it was, it was just terrible. And I saw it somewhere in between that period, right? It was released in 80. I did not see it in the theaters. Uh, I, I saw it, you know, somewhere probably 10 years later, I guess. And it, I don't remember it as a good movie. I remember it as a big movie, but not as a good movie. It was apparently re-released uh, in 2012, 2013. I have not seen this movie either. It is supposedly the definitive director's cut. Uh, it was released at the 69th Venice Film Festival. And uh, this is this may be a movie to go see, uh, to to pick up and actually check it out and see if it really is as bad uh, as uh, it was initially said to be. What's your take on Heaven's Gate? I have never seen it. <gasps> oh. it well, it's one of those ones that's, yeah. that was panned for you? so long. It's like, why, <laughs> why, why would waste you? my time? The only thing that actually uh, piqued my curiosity is when... Uh, Criterion released uh, released it, and I was like, "Well, maybe there's something to check out there." So, I feel like maybe one day I'll I'll give it some time to check out, but I just haven't yeah. gotten around to it. Yeah. Well, uh, a, a number of uh, of important people have come to the defense of this film since it has been re released, and uh, and encourage us to give it uh, the credit that they say it is due. So. You know, what are you going to do? But I open with Heaven's Gate because the weight of the of the cast is amazing. And Chimino at this time, I mean, he was, you know, he was the guy. Um, you know, this was right on the eve of his uh, Oscar wins uh, for uh, Deer Hunter. And, um, you know, this is uh, this is a tough one. So yeah. there you go. Heaven's Gate. Gotcha. What's your number two? Number two for me is uh, Sam Peckinpah at uh, his finest. I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to not put a lot of Sam Peckinpah on the list because yeah, right. I so easily could. Um, but, you know, Western epic, I just have to go with The Wild Bunch, which I think is just such a great film about this group of old outlaws want to try their last big score. The West is kind of not what it used to be. And so they're trying to kind of, uh, you know, uh, figure out what to do. And so you know, they're going to do this one last big uh, bank robbery and then head to Mexico. And it's this this is just a, an incredibly gritty film, as Sam Peckinpah's films tend to be. It's um, 
uh, it, it very much kind of was um, pretty amazing at the time because of the way that the editing, just a lot of quick edits, a lot of blending between, uh, you know, normal speed shots and slow motion shots. And so you kind of had all that mixed together uh, for 1969. It was like really fresh and new and exciting. And it's just gritty and bloody. And it's it, it, this kind of hit at a time when when cinema started transitioning into what we uh, kind of saw in the 70s um, between this and Bonnie and Clyde. I think there were some some nice films that kind of led into this uh, darker uh, period. And this film is just, I mean, watching uh, William Holden and Ernest Borgnine and Robert Ryan, Edmund O'Brien, Warren Oates, uh, Ben Johnson, just this great group of guys um, as they go on this uh, journey and try to figure out what's what's next for them. It's just a really, really brilliant film. So that's my second choice, The Wild Bunch. Oh, that's a good one, Andy. That's was it a, a steal? One. It was not a steal. It was not a steal because... Uh, of uh, of my next pick, which is a part of a theme that I started with you in a text a year and a half ago. Wow, uh, that that's I feel like jumping yeah, back. <laughs> it it is. This series started uh, me thinking about this series that I wanted to do with you of the films that that talk about uh, Custer, George Custer, and I haven't seen very many of them, but there are a lot. There are oh, a lot really. of movies about Custer. Do you know any movies about Custer off the top of your head? Um, one. Which one is that? It's probably the one you're about to say. Well, let's see. Go ahead. What's yours? Little Big Man. Yeah, see, that's not it. Oh, okay. That's not the one I'm going to pick. And I'll tell you why. The one I'm going to pick is not as good, I think, as Little Big Man. The one I'm going <laughs> to pick is actually... Uh, uh, but it has a, a better performance of Custer, I think. It is Custer of the West. Uh, this is uh, Robert Siodmak. Uh, C- C- I never pronounced that right. Robert Siodmak uh, uh, is the director, and it stars as Custer Robert Shaw, a youngish Robert Shaw. But man, can you ever see the Jaws Robert Shaw in here? He's just great in this movie. Overall, the movie is not as good. Uh, I have not seen very many Custer movies, and it really makes me want to to go and 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 look at more of them. I started this text with you. I was sitting in a, a lecture uh, about the historical importance of of Custer and how his his legacy has been treated in media, and I think it's a, it's a fascinating character to talk about. This movie came out in 1967. It skates just under the six-star IMDb rule. Uh, it, you know, it it earns you know, 5.8. It it's about worth a 5.8. Uh, but uh, that is buoyed absolutely by Robert Shaw's performance uh, in in this film. Also stars Mary Ure and Ty Harden. Um, uh, Jeffrey Hunter, Lawrence Tierney's shows up in it. Uh, it it's a um, it, it it's a it's a good film with a great central performance, and it's worth seeing. Nineteen sixty seven, Custer of the West. I have never seen it. Had never heard of it. Uh, as as per my ignorance of films dealing with Custer, so that's uh, that's <laughs> that piques my curiosity. It's interesting. It would be an interesting exploration to do a series about. A character like that and and just look at different ways that that character has been portrayed over time totally and, and you know i also i want to uh, lobby again maybe for a robert shaw series just because he was another guy i mean he was he has 65 acting credits and he died at 51 like that is a heady career in a, a short sort of professional lifespan 
he's uh, and and that would allow us to talk about um oh, what's the fantastic one where he plays Henry the Eighth. Yeah, he's he's a brilliant actor. I have yeah. seen very few of his films. Oh, it's right before Custer of the West. It's a man for all seasons. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. We've already talked about uh the Sting and um uh, Jaws, did, I think that's we it. We did Jaws and Spielberg. Uh but I I would love to get back into this and and watching I've spent the morning kind of watching clips from this movie again and uh kind of scrubbing through it. It's it, he's his performance is fantastic and I'm I I think uh we should talk about him some more. We could certainly do Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3 as uh, movies in the remake series. Absolutely. So, And, you know, we could do The Deep as a worse Jaws. <laughs> we could. <laughs> could go that route. <laughs> All uh, right. All right. What's your next one? So for my final pick, I am I'm so... I'm really torn because I, I want to go with one of my big sprawling epics. But I, I think I'm actually going to cheat and go with something that's definitely not sprawling... It's a much smaller story, um, but it's a film that has always stuck with me. Uh, it's a film that in junior high, um, a uh, my a film class that I had in junior high, our, our teacher showed it to us, and it's just always stuck in my head. Um, it's a Kirk Douglas film with Gina Rollins and Walter Matthau, uh, written based on a novel by Edward Abbey, uh, screenwriter Dalton Trumbow, and directed by David Miller. It is... Uh, it's the film Lonely Are the Brave. Have you ever seen this one? Never even heard of it. It's a great movie. Uh, my recollection of it as a junior high kid is it's a great movie. <laughs> but IMDb gives it 7.7. .7, so I think I think I am probably right. It's it's a modern cowboy story. And it's it's not an epic by uh, any stretch of the imagination. It's a it's a small story. But my my sense of it, the way that it's stuck in my head is this was kind of like um, this this uh, epic character journey for this character who um, is this this kind of cowboy. He's I think it takes place in the I want to say in the in the fifties or sixties. Um, he but he's still just kind of this roaming ranch hand um, who refuses to join society, and it's this this journey that he goes on as. Uh, it's almost like this battle against society that he has. You know, he's he doesn't have a driver's license or he doesn't have anything to prove who he is, really. Um, he tries to bust a friend out of jail, and um, uh, but his friend won't go because his friend is just like, oh, you know, I don't need to go. I have I'm about to get out anyway, and I don't want to I want to see my family again. And so he busts out. And then the sheriff, uh, played by Walter Matthau, who's very sympathetic to this guy because he knows he was in the Korean War um and uh has a purple heart all this sort of stuff um is trying to kind of get him and kind of stop him um and uh but it's just it's this battle of this this cowboy who refuses to adapt to society as he kind of goes on the run and tries to make it to mexico and between um the, the sheriff chasing him and just you know it's just like he doesn't understand the world anymore and i, I love this kind of this epic journey that he goes on and the way that the story kind of brings Carol O'Connor as this truck driver in like spattered throughout as we kind of explore what's going to happen with him. It's just a, it's a film that has always set with me and I know it's not quite an epic. It certainly isn't epic in length. It's not even two hours, but it's just a film that always felt like an epic internal story for this character. So that's my final pick. Lonely are the brave. Well, I, I've got it on the list. Uh, I can't believe I, I haven't heard of it. And Kirk like, Douglas says it's his favorite film that he did. 
Yeah, no, it's on the list. Uh, my final pick is, uh, yeah, you, you know, it's kind of folly. Um, I, I guess you could say it's epic because it kind of fits in epic length almost. Uh, it is the two-hour and 38-minute-long musical comedy western, Paint Your Wagon, 1969, starring Lee Marvin, uh, Clint Eastwood, and Gene Seberg uh, from director Joshua Logan. Now, this movie is... There's a lot of nonsense in this movie and some really good stuff. I, I think it's, uh, you know, the the whole um, premise of the musical uh, that uh, these, guys, <laughs> these guys are inspired by the polygamous nature of the Mormons to, to both marry one woman uh, is, uh, I think, a delightful comedy. They're trying to get the gold that they find in a gravesite that they're bury that they're digging and and uh, end up lamenting the lack of female companionship and it creates a, a really fun little trio on screen Glenn Eastwood is is uh, he's just I love watching these movies where we go back and get to see him as a young younger man uh, Lee Marvin is uh, also you know terrific his facial hair is epic uh, and I, I had a great time I, the first time I saw this movie I just I really had a great time and I was you know I was big into musicals at the time the music is good uh, it, it's not great but there are some you know, key performances, some key songs that that you probably don't know were in Paint Your Wagon. So uh, <laughs> it, it's worth putting on the list uh, just to see a, a Western comedy musical that isn't Oklahoma. That makes me wish that I put Cannibal the Musical on my list. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, well, so, there you next go. Next time. Next time. I haven't seen it. I've never seen Paint Your Wagon. Really? Oh, it's one good. of those ones I've heard was never any good, so I've never bothered. Yeah, you know, just like Heaven's Gate. Yeah, right. So look, this is this is me bringing three <laughs> bring really the crappy movies. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's really fun. You should definitely you, you should check it out. It's not, it, but don't go into it expecting it's great. You know, right, bring right. really good snacks. <laughs> okay. All right. So excellent, where do we go? Uh, we we've got a little bit of a challenge this coming week. Uh, with our Saturday matinee next week. What do you want to do about that? Because it's a scheduling uh, challenge because I'm traveling and won't be able to get it live. Should we do it anyway? Will you do it with somebody else and then we'll get it live just later? Uh, yeah, we could do that and just just release it. Uh, it would be like the Saturday matinee released. What? How how late is it going to be going? Yeah, uh, Probably Monday. <laughs> It'll be the Monday okay. matinee. Late Saturday matinee? <laughs> yeah, very late Saturday matinee. But at least we wouldn't have a hole on the calendar. Yeah, that's fine. Um, okay. I'm I'm fine to do it. Uh, yeah. So uh, we already kind of uh, have our poll for next week's list. We are kicking off our time travel series, which is going to be a lot of fun um, with Time Crimes, the uh, fantastic Spanish film directed by Nacho Vigalondo. And for our list options, um, we came up with just the very generic and broad time travel. We have that um, sounds like we're giving up, but it really we're just trying to start broad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Then we have, um, why am I forgetting what the second choice was? What was it? Well, now I have to go in and look at the poll. The third choice I know, which as of now is in the lead. So it might be where we're going. It's, oh, it's the second one was masks. Uh, films where oh. your protagonist <laughs> had to cover their face for some reason and we couldn't use superhero films. That's right. Um, but the third one, which is in the lead, is um, films where your protagonist uh, is uh, makes a choice and because of that choice kind of keeps going on a downward spiral as they try to get themselves out of the hole that they are digging themselves into. So I screwed up and 
did my list for these movies already. And how funny is it that this is one of those where you could do an entire series of movies, downward spiral movies, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, like in a heartbeat <laughs> with lots to spare. Uh, so uh, this, it's, I think it's going to be a fun series. And I now regret that I won't be able to be there to record it. I know it will be, will be sad. You'll have to send me your list and, and yeah. um, I can, I can read a few of them if you'd like. All right. All right. By proxy. But not if it's stealing from my list. <laughs> <laughs> you can have them. You know what? They're all yours. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, cool. Anyway, that's going to be a good list. And I can't wait to get into this time travel series. That's going to be super fun. It, it will be. It is going to be a great one. And then uh, we can go back in time and do it all over again. Well, this is uh, always fun to chat with you on our fine uh, Saturday mornings, uh, Andy. Likewise, sir. Likewise. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll be chatting soon on the regular show. But otherwise, uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you, sir. Off to uh, prepare for the devastation that is Infinity War. Have fun. Thank you, everybody who has downloaded and listened to this show. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. We sure appreciate it. Uh, helping us to figure out ways to grow this show and do new things. And and um, we appreciate you helping us be there to do it. So uh, patreon.com slash the next reel. And uh, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Invite them to join us. Get on Discord. Have some fun. Talk to mo- Talk about movies. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. (laughs) 